When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, yes, yes. Hello and welcome to the Fresh Arsenal pod with me, JB. I am joined by Ollie, PB and Carl as always or nearly always to discuss the uh, fallout from Arsenal's 3-1 victory and 3-2 aggregate victory over Southampton. Ollie, hello. Hello. How are you? Yes, not bad. I'm enjoying my break from hosting duties. I've decided my back was hurting from carrying this podcast for the last five weeks. So, you know. I can see you're not used to being asked questions because I said, how are you? And you said yes in response. Well, so. I was just desperate to to convey my um, responsibility shifters, shifting. It doesn't, it doesn't help that I show up whenever I, whenever I feel like it, so. Yeah. That's right. It's like a 2014 Mesut Ozil. And speaking of... Uh, dialing in from the other side of the world in another time zone. Carl, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Yes. I'm See, good. that's how you do it. That's I'm how good. you answer a question. <laughs> Honestly, I think we can win an award for small talk at the start of a show. Um, <laughs> we just won 3-1, guys, about 10 minutes ago. I know. It's good, isn't it? Um, and also, you know, if you weren't listening... If you weren't kind of in our WhatsApp group, you'd think this is a really well put together, well planned, quick reaction to the to the win. You know, get everyone together quickly and uh, get a pod out. And it's not the reality that we'd planned a pod to be done on Saturday and Sunday and yesterday, and, and didn't get around to it. So, welcome to the well planned post game podcast. And uh, I think it was fate waiting for us to have a really positive performance to talk about. Yeah, well, maybe we lost in the FA Cup because we weren't ready to do a podcast. Mm. So, yeah, look, how do you, I mean? Let's let's get into it, right? Let's. Uh, we said we'd go bite size. So FA Cup on the weekend. Clearly, we rotated for that, um, which I think was the right thing to do. I, I, I've been an advocate of uh, 
rotation. I was an advocate of rotation in the last round against Newcastle. I think Newcastle at home in the cup is as rotatable game as you can get. And I was a bit annoyed when first team players got injured in that. Um, I then got some stick for complaining about how bad the second team was. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't think we should have rotated. I just think it shows that we don't have great strength and depth. So, yeah, I mean, look, we lost on the weekend, but I think Arteta got it right in terms of team selection and that was kind of borne out today. I think we had the best squad available that we could have done. I think we played the best team we could have done. Um, I mean, what what do you guys think? What what did you think of the rotation on the weekend and what did you think of the, the team you saw when you saw the lineup today, Ollie? Yeah, I mean, obviously we've won today, which we absolutely had to do after after what he did at the weekend with the team. And and I think I was one of the few that wasn't particularly happy with the team at the weekend. I think in general, it seems fans were pretty accepting for, for the team we put out and not too upset that we um, went out. And I get it. I mean, we've won the FA Cup a lot recently. We need to We need to start making progress in other areas. But... I do think we could have gone a bit stronger and, you know, we're Arsenal Football Club playing Southampton. I think we can try and win both games. Um, yes, our backup team should be able to do better, but, you know, we we played some stronger teams in the Europa League and against Newcastle at home. So um, I'm not sure why we went quite so weak for this one. But look, I've already had people mentioning me tonight saying, look, Smith Rose pulled up parties pulled up that's why they shouldn't have played the weekend but you know ultimately we've got the three points which is a key thing for me but I'm not as it almost feels like Arteta has been praised for rotating his team and losing which I you know I don't feel I don't feel that way I don't think it's something to celebrate that we've won tonight I think we could have won both games yeah I'm, I know what you mean right I, I said on the weekend it felt like we'd thrown the game and, and I don't you know, clearly that wasn't intentional and clearly we wanted to win. Um, for me, that just reflects the quality of, of the depth, right? Where, you know, I guess the worst you could say is like a certain combination of 11 is the only way we can win games. And maybe there's like four or five others who are good that you can throw in on top of that. Um, I think when you play the entire second team together, it's tough and, and, you know, realistically, against most Premier League first teams now, are, are a second eleven from from any club is going to struggle. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I take your point, but I think also you you can't not rotate because it's just going to get worse and worse. I mean, Carl, where are you on this whole always pick your pick your best eleven versus rotate situation? Yeah, I mean, as most Arsenal fans, I agree with the fact that I mean the FA Cup is you know it's something we obviously love just due to our recent history. Um, but at the same time, I, it's hard to say I agree with the decision be, just because of, you know, hindsight, you know, you never want to go to the FA Cup. Um, but if you look at our depth, we we have no depth at all. I mean, we're, we're letting players leave on free contracts. And even those the backups that we do have, they don't seem to fit in with the style of play um, that Arteta actually has us wanting to play. Uh, I think it was Arsenal column who's a tactics blogger on Twitter, was basically saying that, you know, all the top teams, their second players, they're like-for-like replacements. So you can chop and change without having a dramatic drop-off in terms of quality and players that fit that style. And if you, if you look at our second team, that it the style of play that we actually 
um, played today and in recent weeks is completely different to that. Um, so in that sense, I would have liked to have seen a little bit less chopping and changing. I mean, I think we, think we made five changes on the weekend. Um, maybe a little bit less just to sort of have that cohesiveness um, that we have shown in recent weeks. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, right? Um, but then you would have had people like me yeah. jumping up and down. If you uh, don't, you know, the result will always be the determining factor of if it was the right decision or the wrong decision. Yeah, and um, injuries as well, right? I, th- I think you've got to, you know, we've got about managing, out managing for non- players, Managing players like Partey is, you know, imperative. You know, right. Smith-Rowe as well. Um, if and, you we, know, they, maybe, I mean, yeah, Smith, Smith-Rowe sat out the whole game on the weekend. Yeah. Um, Saka came off the bench and Partey came off the bench and Smith-Rowe and Partey both ended up coming off with hopefully a small knock or cramp or whatever it is today. But, you know, I think, A, that shows how much running they did today but also it kind of vindicates the team selection on the weekend because or i don't know i mean if they were in that state today after running i i wonder how they would have been with a few extra you know few fewer days rest um and it's a tough one right because as i said before there's there's like a certain combination of players in roles right now that wins us games and we therefore we need smith Rowe, we need party we need saka we need probably Lacazette and we need Tierney like fit as much as possible. Um, and I, you know, I, I worry that almost if you take out any one of those things start to fall apart. So yeah, I mean, look, I think they were, they were good today. We'll get into the whole squad situation because hopefully we might have a little bit more depth coming. What did you guys think about the game? I mean, it started, it was an eventful start, right? Um, I guess in the first or second minute, Granite Jacker with a wonderful, interception just stuck his leg out we press them high they misplace a pass jacker gets on the ball plays one of those passes that apparently he doesn't play anymore um through to lacazette who's through on goal granted it was quite far out but i think um quite a big target i think if he just lifted it a tiny bit that would have gone in uh is it is it fair to say he should have scored that for sure for me i mean if you if you watch that back he's it's odd from the keeper because he shapes to sort of go in the in the far right corner and the keeper starts to dive left before he's shot and leaves a massive gap. Just any sort of Earth lift on that ball. He comes out and takes space really, really early. Um, it's something that he's done, I think, a lot of the goals that I've seen him concede. I mean, he's not a bad keeper, but he is very, very um, eager to come off his line and maybe a dink. I mean... Yeah, um, I mean, deeper. if you know that, why why doesn't Lacazette know that? You know, he's going through one on one, fifty seconds in. Yeah, but yeah, a, a striker of that caliber needs to be scoring, and I'm really worried because at that point, um, you know, worried a lot more once Southampton scored because I'm not sure what the stats are on it, but in in our recent um, well all season when we've gone behind, I don't think we've managed to get many points at all and sort of all our encouraging performances are when we've got that first goal because as we know we've struggled against the deep blocks etc so mm-hmm. yeah it I mean, seemed I'm, after I'm two minutes that. i'm scoring that <laughs> that's all i'm saying i mean yeah it's a tough one right and I, I, i'm really intrigued by this because i think and i really hope it wasn't the case but i got the sense that the team, the team was kind of on it, or they were, you know, we've started games badly recently and Arteta's really been on the whole 
idea of starting quickly and you could see the confidence was fragile and I just got the sense that heads went down when that was missed like they got everything right had the chance and I do think we don't concede that goal if we haven't just missed a chance like that there was something about like the team just felt shocked um, maybe but I think maybe that's our, unfair but, but yeah we the way we were for the straight after the Southampton goal though I think we were straight back at it. I mean, like, I think we were on it for the whole half, except for like the two minutes between the miss and the goal. Yeah. I think, I think the fact um, that we were actually pressed Southampton was, you know, a, a contributing fact to that, you know, sitting off the teams and having to build attacks from much deeper, obviously, is, you know, it sets you on a sort of a, from a coaching standpoint as well, from the mental standpoint of the players, as sort of a net negative aspect while taking the, the, uh, the game to the opposition is, you know, the complete opposite. And Southampton, um, from our data we have at StatsBomb, basically, they are actually, I said it on Twitter, but their actual pace of building up attacks is the sl- second slowest behind Chelsea in the league this year, mm-hmm. when last year they were one of the high, they were one of the quickest pace. Um, and especially um, targeting that left-hand side, which was so heavily rotated, I believe that their left center back was right-footed. Um, basically that slowness that they have in build up and our high pressing really coalesced well today. Um, it's something I, it's obviously it was very clearly um, a game plan from Arteta and the staff. It's really interesting, right? Because like they're a very physical team. They run a lot, they press high, but they, they have like trees at center back. I mean, yeah. when they, they conceded what, like five against Spurs and they had these two, like seven foot playing on the high. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, they don't seem like the kind of players intuitively someone like Hassan Hutter would want in that system um, and I didn't really realise it until today but the, the technical level in their back five was was low um, yeah. I, I would love to see like if our I think two things that I felt in the game and I don't know if the numbers back this up right but I, I would love to see if our first of all like average number of passes per like leading up to a shot was shorter it just felt like we were much more direct and that was you know, largely, as you said, Carl, like we were winning it higher up. We were starting our attacks higher up. Like often we would get it and we'd be one or two passes away from a shot straight away. And a lot of, a lot of times the, those balls that we immediately won were played to Shaka and he had runners ahead of him. So that's yeah. why those through balls were much easier to play. Um, I also, because they're stretched. Sorry, if you go on. No, 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 go on. Because, uh, okay, look. So, no, I'm so, saying that, that, that sort of stretched defense is much easier to play against them when you're constantly trying to build attacks, you know, win the ball in our own half, they're able to get back, and then Shaka's looking for players forward when they already have numbers back. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's reinforcing, right? So once, you know, if you know the passes are coming, you make the runs, and once you know the runs are coming, you look to play the passes, and it just, like, yeah. it just clicks. And the runs quite, get- yeah. Uh, and what's quite interesting is, um, I guess the other thing is, against the press it's quite nice as an out ball, right? Like I think we played out from the back when we needed to, but the fact that that long ball was always on, I think it made it harder for them to squeeze up and press. And also it just, um, you know, I, I just feel like we actually played a lot of long balls into the channel and long balls in behind that either led to chances or good attacks or just led to a turnover in the subsequent move when they got on the ball and then couldn't go anywhere with it. So there was a slight tweak in how we played today. And I think, with and without the ball it just led us you know we, we just ended up playing higher up the pitch
Yeah, yeah, we were exciting today. I think it was re- refreshing to see from some players. I think whilst Partey sort of enables us to do that, I think he, he didn't have a bad game, but he didn't have uh, as incredible games as he's had recently. Mm. You know, other players stepped up. I thought Xhaka was really good again. You know, Saka was brilliant. Um, and Pepe, he worked really hard. I've just seen he won five aerial duels in the game. You know, Louise didn't win any by comparison. And uh, holding three was the next in our game. So he was doing everything, doing the dirty work. Everyone was sort of buying into it and working hard. And it wasn't that we were relying on Partey to bring it today. As I say, he didn't have a bad game, but he didn't win us that game. The, the team performance won us that game. And I think what was quite interesting also is like, the press wasn't perfect today. Like there were quite, well, not quite a few. There were at least a few occasions where they played through it, and once they got through that high press, they were in our defence. And you know what's actually quite reassuring is is that doesn't matter as much. Uh, first of all, when they've got Theo Walcott in the front four, but also when we are creating, you know. I'm kind of all right giving up three shots a game if the way the reason you're doing that is because your system is creating five or six or ten, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think we got enough through transitions and through playing high that it was worth that sacrifice. And I think we, you know, whether you call it handbrake off or whatever you want to call it, I think we got the balance a bit wrong earlier in the season. And you know, partly having. Mid, you know, someone like Partey in midfield who just uh, and him and Saka actually Saka got back very quickly every time they went through the press and so did Smith Rowe um, but having more mobile players just meant we were a bit less vulnerable and a bit better at recovering and I was yeah. alright with it like I was scared a couple of times but you could see why we were doing it and you could see it was working from an offensive point of view it's a calculated risk that we take knowing that we're you know we were sitting so deep earlier parts of the season and you know a lot last season that we weren't giving ourselves the platform to actually create attack and play um and now that we're sit, we're higher deeper we're taking the team we're, we're conceding chances but i mean that's you know that's just a byproduct of you know liverpool can see i remember there was talk earlier a lot in the season i believe it was against us actually in the premier league at anfield that they were saying that we you know that they were conceding so many chances but that's a trade-off that Klopp and top managers Guardiola those kind of coaches you know they understand is going to happen you know you might concede uh you know a fluke goal from your goalkeeper starting in a high position Ederson happened that happens to him all the time but you know those kind of trade-offs are ones that you'll say when you have attacking talent like we have shown with the young players coming through is that you know more often than not we're going to be on the we're going to be the beneficiaries of that sort of uh, calculated gamble. Yeah, I mean, we said it one of the early episodes of of this podcast, didn't we? Uh, about sort of Arteta uh, teaching them how to play, but he was teaching them in quite deep areas of the pitch and it felt like we just mo- needed to move everything forward a bit and it feels like we're starting to do that. And I do think having certain players, more athletic players in the team, gives him more confidence to allow the players to do that um you know and and obviously we brought in Smith Rowe but other than that these are the same players and Partey that what we had when we didn't score for hours and hours and now you know we're taking scoring from open play for granted so 
it's definite progression there and, and things to really be positive about that we're seeing some goals again. Yeah, I mean, I, I was happy seeing Pepe playing with the actual good players. Like, mm. yeah, he had a good game today. I think there were still signs of the inconsistency in his game. He put in a good shift. As you said, he was winning aerial duels. He was getting back defending. I think playing on the left suits him in the first two thirds, probably more than the final third. But if you could have him... I think he's better on the left in the first two thirds, better on the right in the final third. But I think you got a more team performance from him today. And he got into central areas. He he wasn't having to magic things up on his own because there were other decent players on the pitch. And I think one thing I would say with Pepe is I've always said when you have him in um, the Europa League squad that it is difficult to judge, not just because of the opposition, but it's just harder to look good when you're playing with worse players. And it's yeah. easier, you know, we accuse him of not keeping it simple and, um, being inconsistent, it, it's easier to feel the need to do something special when no one else on the team can do it. And it's easier to lose concentration and make a stupid mistake or misplace a pass when the opposition's crap. And mm. I look, it was one game today, but it was encouraging because I think you, you know, he doesn't need to be a 72 million pound player, but if you can get a good functional player out of him with goal, you know, with the end product he's got, that is a good place to be, whether that's for our club or whether that's because it puts some value into him in the market, it's just encouraging to see. I mean, what did, what did you guys think of Pepe today? I think um, Arteta deserves real credit for the left-hand side today. Uh, I tweeted at the start of the game that I thought it was a good lineup, and And by that, I thought the last two games where we haven't had Tierney, we've looked really awkward on that left side. You know, we've got a right-footed left-back, and that's reality. And we've got to find a way around that unless you play Saka at left back, which at the moment he's, he's scoring so much. Seems it'd be silly to do so. But today you saw Xhaka drop into that left back uh, position in the build-up, pushing Cedric further, further up the pitch. And he did a lot of good stuff going forward, Cedric. It sort of unlocked him to come in field and sort of resembling a bit of that five at the back build-up shape that we've had at times. And... Then you had the natural left footer of Pepe on the left. Um, I'm not sure how Pepe would work on the left with Tierney overlapping being a left footer. I don't think that would necessarily work quite so well. But I think today you had some natural width from Pepe. You had Cedric coming in, infield, coming into on his right foot. Pepe creating that space for him. And you had Xhaka sort of building it up on that left side. And I thought that was an area that people would have definitely been worried about at kickoff. Mm. But I think we did really well there. And, and the manager definitely deserves credit for I think having faith a, in Pepe. I think it's a really interesting point, right? Where, you know, whether it's it's the back three, whether it's the four, two, three, one, whether it's individuals, we've we keep coming back to this concept of balance, right? And that's what makes a good side. And I think that what what we saw on the weekend was two right-footed players on the left. Um and it felt weird. And what we saw was the Palace game was two right-footed players on the left and neither of them supernatural there and it, it, it felt weird. And I think, first of all, yeah, look, having a right and a left foot on both sides is really nice because it unlocks the overlap, it unlocks the underlap, it makes it hard to defend against. I think the other thing, and it, it's really difficult not to think of this, right, is that Cedric playing on the left, I said this on the weekend, is you need to make each position your own you don't have to go and copy what no. the person there does. So if you're a right footer and you end up playing left back, it's not good for the team 
you know, maybe hold width, but it's not that useful if you sit there trying to whip in crosses on your left foot and they go out for a goal kick. Just um, ask me. Them. Yeah, I was, I was, I was getting there. I was getting there, and that's where I'm going, right? Which is like, yeah. there are benefits to having a left footer on the right, and you saw it today with Cedric because actually it opens up his right foot for the progressive passing from deep, um, for the crossfield balls, and fine, it's not the same as having Tierney there, but actually there is value because he is doing things that are difficult to play against. And there was one thing that, that Maitland-Niles did in the Crystal Palace match, and I was just like, oh, I wish this guy would do it more. He spent half the game trying to do what Tierney does. There was one moment where it just it opened up for him and he just ran in field with the ball, beat a couple, and fine, I think he had a shot and it didn't go anywhere. But like that channel between the touchline and the D actually for most fullbacks is open because it's a really unnatural line to run. And someone like Maitland-Niles, he just like, he could have done something interesting there. And it's really hard not to think of him when I watch, you watch Bellerin on the right, when you watch Bellerin get rested and then Cedric plays on the right and then you watch Cedric play on the left. And it's like, fine, they might not be perfect players, but each of them offers something and they play their own game. And whilst I have issues with Bellerin, what you can't say is that he doesn't, play his game right he makes those attacking runs that no one else in the squad does Cedric has passes and crosses and delivery that set him apart and and like fair play to them and it's just really hard now to look at Maitland-Niles and just just not wonder what's going on there or, or at least not just think well it's probably best for everyone if, if we move him on I think it's got to be an attitude thing I don't know if you guys heard uh Arteta talk about Cedric's attitude when he's been out the, out the side because obviously he's a senior player that's been barely played. I think he had five minutes of Premier League football before he started and, and played quite well um, in the Newcastle League game. And we've obviously had a lot of players, senior players who haven't been playing and have been causing problems and have been slowly one by one getting shipped out this month. And I think Arteta was making a point when he made that comment about Cedric saying he, he had a, a very good attitude when he hasn't been included in squads. Um, and he's sort of happy to just come in and help the team when we need him. And I think, you know, that was a, a nod to the players who have left and perhaps Maitland-Niles to sort of justify why, why we're not seeing him so much. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? There's clearly a cleanse going on. Um, you know, Ozil's gone, Kolasinac is gone, Socrates is gone. They were being difficult around the changing around the training ground. Um, you know, rumours that Mustafi might be released on a free. Brandizi is getting into arguments with players I heard to Berlin. So he saw. I don't know how much substance there is there, but it's not surprising. And it's like, yeah. I mean, the only funny thing here is is that Edu is getting credit for terminating contracts, right? Like. If he yeah. was getting us fees for these players, I would say it's impressive. But he's doing the we, bare minimum of what is expected of someone in that position. Yeah, so like it's the bar's been so low. I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, a mutual look, a mutual, a mutual termination is better than paying out contracts. But I think because no one saw that as ever happening with Urzil, because it was sort of built up the narrative that he was going to take every penny possible from us. Well, it sort of built that up that he just didn't like us and even if he had an amazing offer elsewhere, he was going to stay. So just doing that, I think, has got him a lot of credit. 
I think the Ozil thing is, um, I don't know what happened there. My understanding is that we aren't paying him less. We've just paid it over a longer period. That's something I read, which I suggested, by the way, a couple of years ago or a year ago. I was yeah, like, well, he, he's compromised. He renew him on a three-year deal at hundred grand a week. Yeah, he's compromised to some degree. Um, so, but it's done, um, yeah. and, and I think from the club's benefit, like you said, there's clearly a cultural thing to this where yeah, it's not just everyone money. needs to be pulling in the right direction, and and it can't be good having people who aren't playing around the training ground. Mm. Yeah, so, maybe we're already seeing seeing the positive effects of that mm. um, in recent results perhaps I mean seeing this this is live have you guys seen Arteta's interview quotes that, that have just been released where I'm he not. basically he, he talked about Smith Rowe and the young players he rested on the weekend and he basically said look it's unrealistic to expect these players to play 50 games a season with no proper pre-season he was just like I'm not going to do that to the young players so good to see he's protecting them and I think obviously the the biggest thing we can do to protect these players is to to make it so they don't have to play every game. And hopefully there's someone coming in who I think can be a, a like-for-like replacement for, for Smith Rowe, I think can be an alternative to Saka. Um, and that, you know, could even play with both of them. So it gives us a rotation option as well. I mean, what do you guys think of the Erdegaard situation? I think it's Erdegaard or Erdegaard from the debates I've seen online, but I've also seen Norwegians and Swedes arguing over the pronunciation so i don't want to wade into that political debate i lived in norwegian for three years so to not piss him off i'm just going to call him martin from now on um okay i don't want to merton merton udgood i don't know um probably embarrassed myself that he's going to turn this off but um yeah just in terms of general signings and not just looking at the at the the martin uh situation um i think that the real credit if we ever, you know, completely get on board the Edu train, um, we'll be looking at the type of players that we bring in and how we try and, without stealing another phrase, is you know, outsmarting the market. You know, picking up the type of players that I'm sure. Um, I think you guys did the the transfer podcast uh, recently, and picking up players that are out of contract, Premier League experience, young. You know, all those type of signings that this, the signings that Liverpool have made in recent years to, to you know take them from where they were uh, in early clop years to now where they are, um, you know, competing for titles is, you know, those type of players that can come in low wages, relatively uh, low transfer fees, relatively, and, you know, flesh out the squad a lot more and fit into the playing style that Arteta wants us to, to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, look, we, we are really going for creative signings, right? We signed a guy called Matt with one T, which is real curveball. Um, and we signed. We signed. He originally, he originally had the second hit, the second tee, but we didn't pay for it. You know that's how cheap Arsenal are these days. So excellent. We've got him online. And that comes. That comes when we make it permanent. Yep. Um, and linked with like Ryan Bertrand, which is weird, given. I mean, look, Tyrick Mitchell's out of contract in the summer. Buchanan, obviously, who um, Dom did. Was it Dom who did the scouting thing on him? You know, Derby have got no money. I, I don't know. Bertrand just feels a bit boring for me but anyway those are the ones doing signings in like places we need cover that don't take up a lot of cash so we can spend money where we really need to is a smart way to do business um and and you're right it'll be interesting to see what we do what we do in the summer um i've seen us criticized 
quite a lot for that that I'm gonna say in a very ignorantly British way, Odegaard signing. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of pundits anyway again lazy we were talking off air about sort of lazy um, stereotypes with Arsenal and and um, a lot of people saying it's it will kill Smith Rowe they've, they've found this guy who's really good and why are they making this signing it's just such a weak analysis for me we've got two games a week pretty much every week until the end of the season we've seen Smith Rowe limp off tonight he had to be rested on Saturday and Willian's not good enough to play in that role he's never played in that role before we can't mm. have we can't have Willian starting in the Europa League final if we get there and it's you a know, six so, month loan right like yeah I, I mean and Carl, they can play together yeah yeah and it's a Saka thing as much as a Smith Rowe Smith Rowe thing mm. uh, and I mean Carl you're the you're the coach right you're the development guy you're the academy guy 20-year-old attacking midfielder with an injury history. Ideally, I mean, he can still develop if he's playing, what, every other game? Two out of five? Start two out of five and a sub-appearance in two of the others? Like, he doesn't need to be starting every game to develop, right? No. Um, And, you know, when he was at, um, you know, Sociedad last year, I mean, he was probably one of the top three players in Spain before the lockdown. Um, and obviously the lockdown happened. There was a huge gap. And, you know, even when he was he was playing every week for Sociedad, you know, he hasn't played a lot of football recently. Um, so he'll, he'll have to get up to speed in that sense. But it also means he's not he's not it's not like he's coming to us after having played, you know, season after season of, you know, of games. Um, so his, his legs are relatively fresh. I mean, he started I think he started the first couple of games for Real Madrid and then he was frozen out by Zidane. Um, so he's coming to us with you know, that sort of injury history. So hopefully, um, you know, slightly lessened by the fact that he's been um, out of the picture for a while. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that someone being close to the team at Real Madrid means they're going to be an absolute no-brainer success story. But mm-hmm. I think, um, I mean, I definitely have been. I, I think we're a bit switched off in this country to the demise of Real and Barca. They're not the teams they were five years ago. And I mean, look, Ceballos is a great example of, he came over with a fantastic reputation and the data profiles were great. And I, I don't know what, what the issue is with him, but he's, he's, he's fine, right? And you can see there's talent there, but he's not been special. Um, I'm hoping, well, it's a harder position to get right. I think there's something about more offensive players where it's easier to just plug them in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll see. And, and, there's a limited downside here with the Odegaard run, right? Like six months. If it doesn't work out, he goes. If he's good, yeah. who knows? We might be able to keep him. And if not, we've still had a good player for six months. So, if And both, both, both you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona, as you mentioned, are, I mean, um, they're not exactly in great financial health right now. So if we are able to, you know, take these deals and, you know, Odegaard comes in and plays well for us, likes what he's, likes what he's doing at Arsenal, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, Edu can work his his aforementioned magic and, you know, get these guys on a relatively decent uh, deal for us. Um, you know, out, again, outsmarting the market, looking for players that are, you know, relatively cheap, but then have a very high sell-on value, et cetera. Um, so. mm. I saw on uh, a scouting thing as well that he, he performs quite well in a deeper central midfield role. 
Um, I'm not suggesting he'll, he'll start there at all, but again, it's more flexibility. He's not necessarily just taking minutes of Smith Rowe. As you said, JB, there's Saka. He can play from the, from the right. He can play in a deeper role if we're chasing a game. He could play alongside Partey in a deeper role. And we have Smith Rowe and Saka on the pitch. So we, we desperately needed more of these players. And, and to me, that's obvious. So I'm not expecting as much as, I, as I've seen others because uh, I think, you know, adapting to the Premier League, as you say, Carl, he's, he's not played a lot this season, so he'll need a bit of time. Um, yeah, and just back, I think up, it's good back up what you're saying, uh, with Sociedad, his, his distribution in terms of when he was playing as a number 10 and as a central midfielder in like a 4-3-3 was pretty much even. I think, I think it was both, like half his games were in both positions. And then um, at Vitesse, um, when he was on loan there two seasons ago, he played mostly on the right. Um, so he's versatile mm-hmm. and he can fit into basically anywhere in those sort of attacking uh, trio positions, which helps us when we have to rotate Martinelli, Smith, Rowe, Saka, which inevitably we'll have to do. Mm. Yeah, we will sure. see. We will see. And yeah, I mean, even like, I feel like I'll have to experiment with the flat three anyway. Right. Um, we are we are running out of time in this bite-sized pod. I, I guess just quickly to you guys, do you think now Cedric has proven himself to be the heir to Alfonso Davies? We will be signing a left back in January, or do you think business is done once Erdogan comes in? Oli, I just want apologies sent to at Oli Price Bates on Twitter for everyone who okay gave me Cedric okay. abuse whenever I said that he was a serviceable player. I think no, he, no apologies. He, he starts no, ahead of Bellerin no, for me. No, no, not happening. Cole, anyone else? Uh, I think we'll be done after Odegaard. Um, you know, I think that we're not really in a position to go splurging on a left back right now when players will be available um, yeah. in the summer. So, Got it. All right, sorry for rushing you, and it's definitely nothing to do with the fact that the Zoom, the free Zoom, forty-five minutes is running out. So, thank you everyone for joining us for this bite-sized podcast of the Fresh Arsenal Pod. I've been JB, Ollie. I've been. I was going to do it. I've been PB. <laughs> we definitely need to record. Carl has been Carl. I've been Carl as always, whether I'm here or not. And uh, we will see you soon, probably, or you'll hear us soon. Uh, maybe. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.